Psalm 48, beginning at verse 1, or actually even before that. A song, a psalm of the sons of Korah. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, in the city of our God, in His holy mountain, beautiful in elevation. The joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. God is in her palaces. He is known as her refuge. For behold, the kings assembled. They passed by together. They saw it, and so they marveled. They were troubled. They hastened away. Fear took hold of them there, and pain as of a woman in birth pangs, as when you break the ships of Tarshish with an east wind. As we have heard, so we have seen, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish it forever. We have thought, O God, on your loving kindness, in the midst of your temple, According to your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion rejoice. Let the daughters of Judah be glad because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go all around her. Count her towers. Mark her bulwarks. Well, well, mark well her bulwarks. Consider her palaces that you may tell it to the generation following. For this is God, our God forever and ever. He will be our guide even to death. May God bless his uh, word to our hearts. Uh, You might see some familiar themes in this psalm as we think about some of the psalms we've been singing through the last couple of months, especially uh, Psalm 46. And we see this theme... Uh, developed a little bit more in the second book of the Psalter. We know that uh, Psalms 1 through 41 form the first book of the Psalter, and then Psalms 42 to 72 form the second book. And I've mentioned before that we see more of the community of God's people and a focus upon Mount Zion, the city of God. And if I were to give a theme to this psalm, it would be the glory of God seen in the city of Zion. Or if we want to bring it to our understanding today of the church, of the church triumphant. And you can see throughout this psalm, the mention of the city of God or Mount Zion is is frequently mentioned. In Psalm 1, in the city of our God, in His holy mountain. In verse 2, is Mount Zion on the sides of the north, the city of the great king. In verse 8, in the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God. In verse 11, let Mount Zion rejoice. Verse 12, go walk about uh, Mount Zion. So we see this, this great theme of Mount Zion or the city of God, which we know is, is fulfilled in the church uh, today. So that is The theme here is God in the midst of the church. And if we were to break up this psalm a little bit, we would see that the focus of verses 1 through 3 is the fact that God is in the midst midst of Zion. And then in verses 4 through 8, that the kings of the earth are intimidated 
by the greatness of Zion. And then in verses 9 through 11, there's a call to rejoice in the God of Zion. And then in verses 12 through 14, a call to consider the continuing greatness of Zion. Now, Zion is understood in Scripture to be not so great because of the location of Zion itself, or the buildings of it, or the temple, but because of the God who resides there. And in like manner, we are not to think of the greatness of the church because of uh, the people in it, or the officers over it, or the buildings of the church, or the, because the church in the world has it all together, because we know the church does not, but because God is in our midst. And that is what makes the church so awesome, the most important entity on this earth. The church is still fraught with weaknesses and imperfections and sins, but the church is great because God is in the midst of her. And God dwells in our midst, and He is bringing His glory to be seen uh, in the nations through the church. Now, a little uh, a note I would like to make on verse 2. It says, Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth, is Mount Zion on the sides of the north. And I just want to make a comment about that. Uh, the word north in Hebrew is Zaphon. And Mount Zaphon was known as the mountain upon which the gods resided. And so this, this could be a play on words there. It could be that saying that, no, those gods aren't there in the north, but our God is. But Mount Zion was also north of a lot of her enemies, such as Cush and Egypt and Edom and Moab. And so Jerusalem, the city of Zion, is north of, of those uh, various enemies of God's people. But then we could also think of the fact that the north side was the place where Mount Zion would have been attacked from a lot of her other enemies, like Syria and Assyria and Babylon. Uh, the temple area uh, on Mount Zion was in the northernmost part of the city of Jerusalem, so that also could be thought of. And there's one other thing that we could think of in terms of the north, and that is, in Scripture, the heavens, the third heavens where God resides, is often referred to as the place of the north. In Isaiah 14, verse 13, uh, speaking of, of, the, of the devil Lucifer, it says, How you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning! How you are cut down to the ground, you who weaken the nations! For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Heaven is referred to because heaven is up the north of us. Now, in verses 4 through 8, we see the kings of the earth being intimidated. Uh, for behold, the kings assembled, they passed by together. And this suggests that the kings, kings had come to plot the overthrow and destruction of Jerusalem. They weren't just taking a stroll, but they were coming to see how could they could they invade the city and destroy the city. And this is reminiscent of Psalm 2. Remember, where it says the kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed. But we notice it says that fear took hold of them there. 
And there are various words in Hebrew for fear. Sometimes it could just mean a reverence or an awe. But this means a quaking fear. This means to tremble in fear. And that's the word that's used here. And that's the same word that's used in Psalm 2. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling, speaking to the kings of the earth. Now it must be admitted that many times kings and people in positions of authority in the Old Testament were not afraid of Zion, and they're not afraid of the church today. Often we, uh, people are not intimidated by the church, and a lot of that is re- as a result of our, the sins of the church in America today, that we don't have the respect uh, for the power and authority that God has invested in the church. But God will see to it that the church is given the proper respect that she deserves. How will fear take hold of the enemies of the church when they see Mount Zion, the city of God, coming down out of heaven? And we have to think about the fact that Christ's church is is gradually becoming triumphant in the earth as the gospel continues to go forth. And even though uh, there are many Christians who are persecuted and martyred, yet God is building His church and He is making it glorious. And His glory will be yet more than what we see today. Now, it says here uh, that fear took hold of them as, as, uh, uh, as pain of a woman in birth pangs when you break the ships of Tarshish. Now, the ships of Tarshish uh, and Tarsus could, we don't know exactly where Tarsus is. It could be Tarsus, remember Saul of Tarsus, where he came from. It could be Tartessus, uh, in, in Spain today. Um, and we know that Jonah wanted to go to Tarshish, which was all, all areas uh, west of the land of Israel. But Tarshish was famous for its ships which carried many, very, very fine and exotic artifacts like gold and silver and iron and tin and lead and ivory and apes and monkeys. And because the ships of Tarshish carried such great riches, they were symbols of wealth and power and pride. And there are other prophecies uh, in, in Scripture that speak of the ships of Tarshish being broken apart and shattered in pieces, and their strength being laid waste. But that's, that's why he comments here, as the ships of Tarshish, these were so great, and they were a symbol of pride and power and authority of the kings of the earth, they, they are broken to pieces um, when they just view the awesome uh, city of Zion. And then in verses 9-11, through 11, we have a call to rejoice in the God of Zion. And here we are called to reflect upon the loving kindness that God has shown to Zion. To remember how good God has been to His church. Zechariah chapter 2 verse 8 mentions the church as the apple of God's eye. God cares for His church. He's in the midst of her. He is preeminently concerned about the church far more than any other matters of state that take place in the world. Christ has been made head over all things for the sake of the church, it says in Ephesians 1, 22 and 23. And we are called to think upon the righteousness and the justice of God as it's displayed in the church. What an awesome phrase, your right hand is full of righteousness. Or it could be translated as justice. And then finally in verses 12 through 14, 
we're called to consider the continuing greatness of Zion, to walk about her, to count her towers, to mark her bulwarks well. And this, this section uses the building of Zion as a type of the eternal nature of God's city and God's kingdom, which will never be overthrown. The city of Zion in the Old Testament was destroyed more than once, but God's church will never be destroyed. The gates of hell will never be able to prevail against the church. And those who are a part of this kingdom will not see death, will not see eternal death. But God will guide us into our eternal heavenly home. He will be our guide even unto death. So with those thoughts in mind, let's go ahead and turn to Psalm 48 in our red Psalters. Psalm 48, and this time we will sing the A selection. And then in a little while we'll sing the B selection as well. 